Joining me now is one of my dear friends, our daughter's godfather, the person who put Michelle and I together. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. A great podcast guest, and I think he's starting to get a, a taste for being a podcast guest, uh, my friend Anthony Pettisini. What's up, AP? Hey, Peter. How are you guys doing over there? We're good, man. How are you? Well, I've got enough SpaghettiOs and Pastina the last 60 days, so if the governor decides to put us in a, uh, a statewide lockdown, I think I'd survive. Uh, I can't even imagine how much food like your family is prepping right now. Just like it's like oh, it's got to be almost like a like a, a soup kitchen, just making all sorts of sauces and pastas and things like that. Just I, getting I, ready. I bet they are, but when, when the CDC came out with their recommendation that groups of 250 or more uh, not be together, I called my grandma over in Melbourne and I said, I'm not coming back there. You should stay away from the kids. She was still teaching second grade at Ascension Catholic School. I told her to call her principal and go home and lock the door and have mom drop food off for her. Um, you know, they're all now, I don't know if you know this, they're, they're all now uh, in their own homes. My mom and dad are in their house. My nanny's in her house. Um, and my brother and his family are in their house because my brother was exposed to COVID at work and the company waited seven days after he was exposed to tell him. And, and so now he's locked in a room by himself <laughs> away from the kids and away from his wife for the next five or six more days. Uh, but he has one lung. So it's a real serious thing. I mean, my mom's immunocompromised. This is not a fun thing. And I think people really aren't taking it seriously until it hits him in the head. No, there's nothing fun about it at all, especially now that we are starting. You shared with me uh, offline a story of what it's like to be on the front lines if you're a, um, a first responder or a healthcare provider. Um, it is going to be it is going to be really, really bad. Um, and you're starting to this isn't like you go to sleep and you die. This is a this is the worst of pneumonia. You get it. Um, it is, you know, deep, deep, deep uh, lung infection, and it hurts, and people, you know, they're suffering on the way out the door. In addition to dying, which is, of course, the worst fate, um, it is not an easy, uh, this, is, this is not, this is not going to be pleasant. And, no, and, then, and then when you're, when you're stuck in your house reading articles from Italy about how bad Italy is, uh, which is what I've been doing, and then you learn that, you know, forget about the person who's dying, right? That's important, but... As they're dying, they're, they're not allowed to be surrounded by the people they love yes. or the people they spent their lives with. They're not allowed a, a funeral. Nobody can grieve because you can't leave your house. I mean, the toll is exponential. And, you know, I, I posted something the other night on Facebook. I guess that's what you do when you hunker down, right? You get you get very um, – speaking of my mom, she's that's my mom. Uh, but when you hunker down, you start reading and you start getting on social media, right? So right. Uh, I got on social media. I had seen a, a young man that I used to babysit for – over in Brevard Post that he was booking a trip to help save the airline industry and that the, you know, the boomer doomers are destroying the world. And I got so upset. I mean, if one person gives this to somebody who's older or immunocompromised, they killed them. You're, you're, you're killing somebody else unnecessarily. And I think that's crazy. No, and that is the, there was a great New York times article. I think that encapsulated it all by Patty Mazzei. And I've referenced it a couple times. Um, it is all of the young visitors coming down to an elderly population. And that's why I think Florida in about a week is going to be, um, you know, we don't have the density of a New York, 
but we have that combination and that's what why and i think in a week we're going to have some very bad numbers and i also think i was talking actually with um jimmy patronus last night and he you know was looking at the italy situation and i've cited the italy situation again and again to people because i feel like there's some there's there is italy is florida i mean you're talking about a peninsula you're talking about you know great tropical weather you're talking about the way our population is divided up like amongst these city states like that yes you have rome yes you have miami but you also have all these other highlands like, county highlands major, county. major cities That's right. That's right. that are uh, spread out throughout the county you have that mix well and you of have the young people and the old people and you have a ton of tourists you have a ton and of you have a ton of tourists that's right and so that's i mean you know when uh people had been asking you know is this real uh from the you know from the the speaker of the house on down i'm like it doesn't matter if this is better or worse than the flu and i do believe it will be uh more uh it will be deadlier than the average flu a thousand that doesn't get a thousand italians lives back that doesn't get 1500 italians lives back uh as it stands you know, going into the weekend. I mean, it, no, nobody is like looking around, going, "Oh, you know what? This doesn't matter. My grandmother died, but it's it's uh, it's, it's not as bad as the flu." Yeah, listen, you've been around politicians as long as I have, and you know, in twenty years of of looking people who make policy in the face and helping them run their elections, I think I really took this seriously when um, uh, I saw everybody, everyone who's elected around the country just start looking panicked. And it wasn't like they sounded panicked or their body language was panicked or you just could see something had changed in governor's faces and uh, the president's face and the vice president's face. And, you know, you're not going to be the leader of the free world and say to your country in the biggest economy in the history of the world and say, OK, stop for no reason. You're not going to do that. No. I mean, when that happens, people should stop and listen. And um, the fact that they're not really just as absurd. But, you know, like I said, I got my dog here. I've got plenty of Zacapa rum and Italian wine and uh, spaghetti. And that's all you need. And uh, No, I'm ready to go. Cigars. We have Oliva cigars here, too. We're good to go. Now, don't even get me started about <laughs> Jose Oliva. He's he, – I, honestly, I, I, um, I don't want to say anything bad about Jose Oliva – one of the things I was going to write about today is usually when, you know, a speaker does his second signing die and he's out the door, it is in five minutes before the knives come out for, for that person. Um, you know, because he's no longer, he no longer holds, you know, sway over your budget issue or your project or what have you. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, I feel like, I feel like the budget they just wrote and signed or, um, you know, uh, voted on and will probably be signed in. It will be obsolete come June fifteenth. I think and, I, I think they all know it's obsolete today, but they had to pass a budget, right? And you can't you can't pass a budget with question marks. And you can't. No, you, there's no. I, I I I disagree with that. I don't think they had to pass a budget. I think they would have. I think it would have been better to say, listen, we have got to get some uh, of the revenue estimating commission done and we can't get that done right now because we don't know we are going to come back i mean i don't know uh, and we and i would say we're going to come back and, and do a budget session in late april or so i say that though and what if it doesn't happen and that's then right they look, so 
I guess you know my thing with Oliva, and I've 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 tweeted it, and I come close to it, but I'm still respectful of the office. I feel like he reminds me of Michael Scott from The Office, and there's an episode of of The Office in which you know how like he always says that's what she says, mm-hmm. and he's brought into the HR department and he's told he can't say that, and so Jim keeps trying to set him up. He keeps saying, man, I could go all, or he could go all night long. And eventually Michael Scott just blurts out, that's what she says. And I just feel like Oliva wants to blurt out, it's not as bad as the flu. Like you just see him posting graphics um, that basically say that, you know, the comments about, you know, that he made a week ago, I don't know what the health uh, department knows, but maybe, and then you know, he kind of cast out. And then yesterday, I thought it was. I thought those were. That was a terrible. I thought that was terrible positioning by him. With the um, well, a vaccine could pop up at any time, uh, and he said that multiple times. Um, I thought yesterday was a very bad day for state leaders in general. Ron DeSantis giving Oliva that bat um, was, you know, uh, calling him the slayer of the health industrial complex when, you know, we are going to be asking the health industrial complex to do everything in their powers to save us. It left out, yeah. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a bad look. Uh, it, was a, it was a good legislative session. It was probably one of the best legislative sessions in, in recent memory when you talk about, like, money for affordable housing. And um, I think conservatives could be happy with some of the stuff on, like, parental notification. Um, but I, man, I just felt like that was a bad, yesterday was a bad, bad way to end all of that. Go back to the speaker for a minute and, and you know, whether the, the baseball bat is a bad look or, or whatever, you know, he ran a great chamber and, and I will say that, you know, when you're, when you're facing a healthcare emergency, whether you agree that ARPNs and nurses should be, um, should be more like doctors and have their own practices. The fact is this, since he pushed for that and passed for that, there will be more people ready to provide health care for people, uh, whether you like it or not, in the state of Florida. So there is a little bit of a silver lining there. Um, and I, I'm not necessarily one of those who agree that, that someone who's not as trained as a doctor should be diagnosing my health care condition. I, I, I mean, but I'm not a policymaker, so I don't get to have an opinion. But, I mean, there are, there are things that, first of all, I think we need to give everybody a little bit of leeway. No one that is alive today has ever seen or dealt with anything of this magnitude whether it's the economic meltdown, whether it's the, um, the crisis in the healthcare system, whether it's what the healthcare system is gonna face, whether or not it melts down. There's no one around that was alive for the 1918 Spanish flu and dead bodies everywhere. So, so I don't think there's a right or wrong way to deal with this yet. I think there's gonna be a lot of post-mortems where uh, how, how Donald Trump dealt with it, how Mike Pence dealt with it, how our state leaders deal with it, how our local leaders deal with it. I mean, well, I, Hold on. Let me push back on just a little bit. Um, you're you. We're not absolved of making. This is not a blank check. This is not. I mean, yes, it's war, but this is a democracy still, and we do need to hold accountable uh, our elected officials. Case in point, um, you know, you look at the senators last. Oh yeah. Uh, the reporting last night that they. Uh, you know, if it, it, it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's a duck. It looks like um, at least four, or at least two, maybe four U.S. senators engaged in insider trading. They got a private briefing a month ahead of time, 
uh, from the main doctor and then went out and proceeded to, you know, sell off all of their uh, travel related stocks, etc. Um, we need to hold them accountable now, um, you know, and I, I, I don't, that's not even getting into the Trump red state, blue state baloney. That's just, we've got a Bernie Madoff situation right there. We need to hold those people accountable immediately. Who were the um, other two? Who were the other two when you said two, maybe four? The New York Times just posted an article that uh, Eric Lipton had it that was on Twitter. It, I, I literally had not read it, but the original reporter who wrote about it said, uh, looking back at more disclosures, it looks like there are four senators. Um, and so I just want to be as current as possible. Of course, our senators, Marco Rubio, um, I don't think he even had stock uh, like that. I don't even think he, I don't even think he has a stock portfolio. Um, and then Rick Scott, for whatever it's worth, I think he like he lost money somehow. I think he like he he I think he like literally bought stock in like travel like in a, a travel company or something like it was it was nothing. He uh, he went the opposite way, and so. Uh, it wasn't no, for if, if elected officials are profiteering on the crisis, then absolutely. But what I'm saying is that, you know, on the onset of this thing, to, to start doing postmortems as to what's right or wrong, I watched a, a video, again, one of the things you do when you hunker down. Um, I watched a video of the director of the World Health Organization who said, the only thing you can do that's wrong in a healthcare crisis like this is not act. There's no wrong action. And if you, like, for example, closing the beaches or not closing the beaches, not acting or not making a decision is worse than than waiting. I watched the Hillsborough County Emergency Management briefing yesterday, and they and the sheriff was talking about uh, a curfew. And um, you know nobody wants a curfew, nobody likes a curfew. But if you have all these kids that are home uh, from school and they're gathering in bigger groups than ten, the sheriff has no power to send them home. If you put a curfew now, you can send them home. And and if that's look. If people are not going to be socially responsible and help beat the virus because they're because they take it upon themselves to do it, then the government needs to step in and start making people do it, and and this thing will pass more rapidly than it currently is. And yeah, let's talk about some of our elected officials uh, then, because I think number one, I think Cronister, Sheriff Chad Cronister of Hillsborough, one of your clients who I I really do like, um, he let out uh, about 160. Nonviolent, low uh, threat uh, inmates from the Hillsborough County jails. I thought that was a very. I thought that that was a smart move. I'm. It looks like he was getting crap for it on in some quarters of social media, um, but that's the kind of leadership that we need to do yeah, right now. He acted. Uh, number two, I thought. You know, I had Jane Castor on yesterday, and I'm like, God. I mean. You talk about elections and you think about, man, we are so lucky that we had elected Ron DeSantis versus Andrew Gillum. And not just because of, like Gillum obviously would not have gone to my, be doing the things he's doing now that if he had he become governor. But if you look at his reaction to the hurricane, no, I don't think he would have been a good wartime governor. And so I'm glad that, we, that the state made that decision. Um, but along that same lines, I'm so glad that we elected uh, Jane Castor. I mean, oh. you talk about, wow, did we get lucky having a police chief who knows how to lead during crises? Um, you know, it's like if 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 we were going to appoint a czar to lead Tampa out of this, let's say that we were just like we were just starting from scratch, she would probably be number one. I mean, 
you know, uh, no offense to our dear friend Bob Buckhorn, but he's he's an economic development guy. He's a different kind of mayor. He's a prosperity mayor. But if we were starting from scratch, she short of a general from McDill, she's probably, and we don't want that. She's who we'd want. I mean, this we're really lucky there. Well, if you've been if you've been around Jane at all or Chad, either one of them, the sheriff or the or the mayor, uh, they have a great relationship. They both are a very steady, calming presence in a room. Um, and when they make pronouncements or they, they, they decide to do something, they both do so in such a deliberative manner that it's hard to, uh, it's hard to disagree with them. And so when the sheriff released the 164 inmates in the jail, he did so to protect his deputies. He did so to help them protect their own families. But the, and, and, and you know, the, one, the one thing I said when I was asked about this yesterday was, you know, these people are still gonna, gonna answer for the crimes they were in jail for. They were just low-level offenders who couldn't afford bond to get out, like other people who have more economic means. Right, right. There's, there's no threat to society here, and we're not letting out rapists. But what we've done now is we've increased jail capacity and we've reduced the the uh, chance for coronavirus to hit a jail population, which would be devastating. I mean, imagine the mess that would make. Um, God, this is going to stretch into. I get. I'm going to try. Let's, 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 let's. I guess land the plane here because we're going to get into 20 minutes and I <laughs> promise that I was going to be, you know, keeping these to 10 or 15 minutes. Um, you know that I'll probably be. We in just six we start talking and we can't stop. <laughs> in six weeks, we're just going to be, well, you know, we say that, but you and I are like, you know, sports podcasters without sports. What happens when we don't have campaigns? You know, like that's going to be a challenge for you and I and for the rest of our friends is, do you still can't get out there and campaign? Um, no, you can't. So it's funny you say that because we've been on, you know, we're everybody's hunkered down. Fundraisers are canceled. Grassroots are canceled. You know, is it insensitive to call people and ask them for money right now? Is it insensitive to send them emails about campaign updates right now? All these things that we were ready to ramp up and do are now on pause because of coronavirus. I mean, I just feel like if you're not an elected official, you should not be talking to the public about things. A great example. Um, when Jackie Toledo called out the Seminole tribe. Like, you can't do that as a candidate. You can only do that if you were elected. And, right. and, and by the way, the Seminole tribe should not be operating casinos in the middle of, a, of an economic and, and uh, healthcare crisis. That should not be happening. You so, know, but you know what? If you go through the casinos, those people aren't gonna, so many of those people are not going to, I don't know, they're not, they are, they are the people that are going to be impacted by this uh, crisis, oh. most of all. Uh, you just see them. You see so many. I mean, think of all the people in there just smoking on ventilators on, on the vent on their last legs. Yeah, and it's just going to wipe them out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. By the way, I want to circle back on this. I got to get a little more research because he usually has a reason. You know, Bob Gultieri is was very interesting yesterday. The Pinellas County Sheriff and his you know, opposition to closing the beaches. Um, and, you know, Bob is a thinker. You know, he's, he, you know, you think of, he, he's almost a tortured thinker. Like the way he went through the stand your ground decision, the way he went through the, um, he went through the, the Stoneman Douglas commission. Um, I really, you know, to, usually these law enforcement guys want to close everything, you know, because it's, it's just easier to deal with closed everything. Um, he did not, and so I gotta I gotta dig in on that. All right, let, let's land the plane here really quick. AP, 
what are you watching or reading right now that you think uh, the rest of the uh, listeners or anybody that's listening to this should check out while they're hunkered down? No, I, I really, I'm not reading or watching anything special. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the news for updates. On well, I'm glad you prepped for this podcast when I, I said know, I, I just, <laughs> at, at night, at night, like I'm, tonight I'm going to watch the Joker movie. I haven't seen the Joker movie yet. Oh, that'll be appropriate. Oh, that'll then, be uh, yeah, I figured. And then, you know, it's funny. I had uh, a state representative here the other day, and we watched the uh, the movie Contagion. Yes. Uh, if you want to freak out about what's going on in the world, rewatch Contagion. Um, and then, you know, Tracy Caruso uh, is an avid reader, and she's been sending me book recommendations. Uh, I haven't read any of them yet, so I'm fearful to fearful to recommend them. But I mean, I'm I'm really I've read I to be honest, I've read more newspapers than I've read in a really long time. I mean, I'm on the New York Times, I'm on the WAPO. Um, I haven't done that in a really long time, reading national newspapers. It's, uh, and of course, I know you're reading Florida politics. Of course. Uh, actually, yesterday, um, kind of sad, it was our, I want to say, it was, I, I don't remember a day other than election day uh, where we were busier. And it's... Um, you know, the stories that are getting coverage, quite honestly, are the local elected officials doing stuff. I kid you not, like for all of your clients, please send them our way. The Jackie Toledo Seminole Tribe issue was very was a very trafficked issue. Uh, Chevron Jones, yeah. him fighting for um, like uh, rent relief and so forth. That is our number one issue. People are looking for Florida-centric stories right now. Like they can't wrap their heads around What's going to happen? 200,000. No, just like the national stories, 300,000 people, you know, with cases, that doesn't, that, it's hard to connect to that. What they can connect to is, why haven't we closed down uh, the Seminole Hard Rock? Right. On that note, I got to close down this podcast. I know that I'll be talking to you again. Um, this was probably the first edition of maybe 10 of these, uh, <laughs> hunkering down with Peter Shorts. You're going to have to come over. When it's you know when we're allowed to and you know do uh, he said she said again because if, if we Ella had a great Joyce, time to do that if Ella Joyce will allow it she'll be my first hug okay all right buddy thanks thanks guys. Bye.